Dear brothers, tonight I want to speak to you about repentance. And the main question is, do I really want to repent? You see, repentance does not come naturally. Without grace, we do not see how incapable we are of knowing God and ourselves. And if we do not see our incapacity, our brokenness, our sin, we cannot repent of it. You know how many times we go to Mass and let us ask God for forgiveness. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Are we really repenting? It takes a work of contemplating the Lord, getting to know the Lord, so that we see the wrong we have done, he will reveal it to us. But we want to be willing to to see it, you see. The problem is humanity does not know God. That's why Jesus came, so that we can come to know God. Not even the apostles knew Jesus. Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? And there were all kinds of answers. And then he said, who do you think Who do you say that I am? Finally, Peter, moved by the Holy Spirit, because otherwise he had no clue, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. But what happened? Right after that, Jesus begins to speak to them about going to Jerusalem, where he is going to suffer and die. And Peter, who had just acknowledged that he is divine, now is objecting. He is admonishing Jesus. Isn't that amazing? My brothers, this is also what we do. Think of it. We love Jesus, and then we have our plans, our ways, and we struggle with the Lord. What does Jesus do? He tried, you know, Jesus doesn't means words. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. And we do have to make a decision. Are we in the side of God or in the side of men? Are we with the world or are we with Jesus? Are we willing to rebuke Satan, his lies, my expectations, my habit patterns, and seek the Lord. Without that, there is no repentance. Now, my brothers, in the last judgment, there are going to be many Christians condemned. How do I know this? Well, read Matthew seven twenty-two. On that day, many will say to me, says Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Oh, they did things in the name of Jesus. We do things in the name of Jesus. But are we repenting? Are we honestly listening to him and willing to go with him to Jerusalem? Matthew twenty five forty four. Again, the last judgment. 
they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? You see, in our daily ordinary lives, the Lord is presenting himself to us in many people who are broken around us. How do we see Jesus? Do we repent from our egocentricity that we don't even see what God wants us to see? And that is a sin. Now, how many Catholics today, how many practicing Catholics today have their own opinion of morality? How many interpretations of what is right and wrong? Well, I think that contraception is okay. Well, I think, you know, if people have relationships before marriage, but if they love each other, and we all have our own opinions that are profoundly influenced by the mindset of the world. We're not listening, yielding to the Lord. So what do we need in order to repent? We need to know the Lord, to enter deeper and deeper into a knowledge of his heart, of his way of thinking, the thinking of the Lord Jesus who comes to us through the church. God wants to show himself to us. But the problem is that we think that we already know him because we have projected into Jesus what we think he is. So we have to go into a process of deconstructing that and allowing Jesus to show us who he really is. The second thing we need, first is is the knowledge of God, and second, we have to know ourselves, and God will take care of that if we let him. By coming to know the Lord and loving the Lord, he will reveal himself to us. Remember when when Jesus was able to say, you are the son of the living God, then Jesus said to Peter, and you are Peter. And so getting to know Jesus comes then the revelation of who we are, and God is going to give us our identity. And we need to allow that identity to be now perfected, because we don't know who we are. So, What is repentance? Is receiving this identity from God of who I am and then repenting from everything that is not in that identity. So it's not just about fulfilling the commandments. It's about repenting and rebuking everything that is in me that is not what God dreamed me to be. God desired me to be. And so this is the process of change, of conversion, of repentance, and turning to the Lord and receiving through discipleship a new identity. The more we do this, the more that Christ can heal us. So it's a process of going deeper. Um, Don't be afraid of letting the Lord reveal to you your misery. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to justify it. Because then we get stuck and we don't grow. 
You see, God is all love and mercy. We have no reason to be afraid or to hide anything. And so the more that we acknowledge mystery, the more that he can be merciful and we can be transformed. So repentance is not complete until we choose to change. So we get to know God. We are getting to know ourselves very well. But now I need to enter into a process of change. And you know how that happens? Well, that happens by going with Jesus to Jerusalem and dying on the cross. This means we choose to enter into battle as one with him. We are not going to repent if we are afraid of entering into battle. You see, our, our nature tends to avoid suffering, right? That's normal. But Jesus chose, through a human heart, to face the opposition of Satan and to enter battle and to persevere, choosing to do the will of the Father through suffering. Conversion is only real and repentance only true if we are willing to continue to gaze upon the Lord and go forward even though the flesh is rebelling, wants to go back. I don't want it. It costs me suffering, but I'm looking at love. I'm receiving love. It's the practice of being attentive to the Lord. And then we go forward. Christ conquered by persevering in love and obedience through suffering. We have to do the same with him. And that is the grace that he wants to give us. And he promised. He did not promise that things were going to be easy, that Christians are going to have wealth and health and prosperity. He promised, I'd be with you all days until the second coming. And through it, there will be all kinds of trials, but I will be with you. So all these trials and difficulties are opportunities for us to grow in union through repentance. Look at St. Paul, Philippians 2.12. He tells us, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean that he's afraid. That means that he has fear of the Lord. In other words, he takes this very seriously. He knows the gravity of the battle that is at stake. He knows that he cannot lack off. He's going to give it his all. He's a soldier for God. This is the kind of man we need. This is the kind of man that missionaries of the cross in the community are called to be. That bronze wall that stands in the, in the battle. We should take joy to be able to suffer something for the sake of Christ. This is what makes us real men. So we are in battle. Battle against Satan, not against flesh and bones. We have to be clear about that. And Satan, how does he come to us? Well, we already talked some about the world, right? The world means not the planet, but all those institutions, structures that are in government, that are in the media, that are in companies, that are 
really dominated by darkness, by the devil, that are pushing us all the time to accept what is contrary to the Lord. And this, my brothers, is growing real quick, real fast. Government, more and more anti-Christian. The media, anti-Christian, censoring even Christians now. Censoring anything that speaks the truth, that has Christian principles. This is the world and is coming at us big time. And this is going to be the cross. And whoever does not want to suffer is not going to make it. Not that we want to suffer, but we want to love so much. We are open to the grace of God in a way that we can do this. So that's the world. And what is the flesh? The flesh is the participation of our own broken nature in this enticement of Satan through the world. In other words, you can experience in your own flesh, in your own life, this desire for self-gratification, self-centeredness, seeking yourself. And how does that happen? It happens because we're so broken that we don't see what we are doing. You see, if there was a, a beautiful fire in a fireplace, why don't you stick your hand in it? Because you have a full understanding that if you do that, you're going to get burned. If you didn't have that, you might just go ahead and put the hand in the fire. So that's what we do when we sin. We we feel attracted by something. We don't see the the reality as it is. But God wants to show us. And he's saying, don't do this. Don't eat of this fruit. Don't look at that girl that way. Watch your habits. What are you gratifying yourself with? Why are you doing it? You know why? Because you don't see how much you're offending God. You're not seeing how much is destroying your life. If we saw it, we wouldn't do it. So in as much as we don't see it, we just have to trust and obey and struggle through it, suffering. As we come more and more to realize the truth, it's going to be a lot easier for us. You know, why do men abuse children? Because they're so broken. They don't see what they're doing the damage they're doing to that child and to themselves and to society and to their families. They're just so broken that they're just looking for some kind of affection in a most distorted and terrible way. Well, when a woman is a victim of the loss of a man, of seduction of a man in sin or when a woman does the same thing, because men and women do sin, it's the same thing. We're broken. We don't realize how that engagement, that relationship is leading into something that is offensive to God because it's not honest. It's not true. You're not seeing the person fully as a daughter of God with the full integrity of God's plan for that person. So you're trying to usurp something for a moment or a time of pleasure, just thinking about your fantasy, not seeing the reality of what 
The truth is, and that's the sin that we have to convert. But then you can say, well, how about sins that don't seem to do any damage, like pornography? Nobody's going to find out. I'm doing it in the computer at night. My brothers, you're destroying your purity of mind, and that is going to stay with you. And therefore, you are sinning in a big way when we do that. And so there's no such thing as a private sin that does no damage. Because your mind, your soul, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're compromising it and allowing the devil to come in and fill us with his lies and darkness that's going to affect our view of persons, our view of things. We no longer have purity of mind to discern. And then some people can say, I don't know, I I can't discern well. I don't really know what God wants. How could you if your mind is polluted with sin? Repent, turn to the Lord, so that then you can have clarity to see the ways of God. So that's the flesh. It brings us to obfuscation. We don't see as it is. So I want to speak briefly now about the law, because that is a biggie for St. Paul. He warns us that we are not saved by the observance of the law. We are saved by Christ. And that's hard for many Christians to understand. It sounds obvious, right? But it's a common pitfall. How's that? Well, every time we say, I'm a good person. I keep the commandments. I don't hurt anybody. I'm appealing to the fact that I fulfill the law. I do this and that and this and that, and we justify ourselves as if that is enough, as if that is a new man. It's not a new man. You can be rotten inside and appear to be a good person and, you know, not kill anybody. You're not stealing, but you know the truth about yourself. Your life is not on fire with Christ. Christ cannot lead you where he wants to lead you. So, you know, rocks, rocks don't hurt anybody unless somebody throws them, but by themselves, they don't hurt anybody. You know, they, they're just there. But we're not rocks. We are the body of Christ. We are either functioning in perfect harmony with Christ, living a new life, or we're not in full repentance. We're not fully converted. So, we do not know God unless we let Him lead us into a new way of living beyond just fulfilling the law. You see, if we do not know God, we interpret the commandments our own way. And we really think we were fulfilling them. But it's our own limited human interpretation. We simply are incapable of the necessary love unless we have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I'll give you an example. Matthew 5.27 Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do you see Jesus bringing through a revelation of the truth of the commandment of adultery like we've never seen it before? So, just looking, you failed. Can you stop failing? Not on your own. Not with your own uh, efforts of just fulfilling the law. We need to be saved by Jesus. And that means we need to surrender. We need to enter into the cross with him so that as we are immersed in the cross, baptized by fire, we come out men more and more capable of living this new life. Another example is the law of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were sticklers for that, always going after Jesus because he did things on the Sabbath. In fact, they focused on trying to condemn the Lord based on not fulfilling a commandment. And they were all wrong. How is that? Because in their self-righteousness, they were not open to receive understanding from God and they failed to see that Christ was fulfilling the Sabbath. Because what is the Sabbath for? It's not just a practice. It is a day to fulfill the covenant between God and man, to become communion with God and our neighbor. The Sabbath was meant by God to be a day of restoration of human dignity, a day of healing and salvation. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. But they were only concerned about little rubrics that you can do or not do on the Sabbath, and they were blinded to see the whole reality. It's impossible to fulfill the law by just staying and saying, I'll just do the law, because then it becomes a way of self-justification like it was for the Pharisees. So what's the answer? Surrender to Christ. He will reveal to us the depth of His commandments because they're written now in our hearts. We are in communion with Him. So actually, allowing the Lord to bring us into a relationship and being saved by Christ is a lot more demanding than just fulfilling the law the way we think. When we talk about the mess that we are in, in our time, I just found a writing from Joseph Rassinger from 1958. So think about it. It's about 60 years ago. And he already saw then what was going to happen through in the church. It's an amazing vision of prophecy. How did he do that? Because he saw how the church was being comfortable, accommodated as, as an institution, just 
doing right things, observing laws, but lacking the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to really enter the power of the cross and be witnesses of a new way of life that the world does not know. So what did he say? 1958. The appearance of the church in the modern era shows that in a completely new way, it has become a church of heathen, and increasingly so, no longer as it once was, a church made up of heathen who had become Christians, but a church now of heathen who still call themselves Christians, but have really become heathen. Wow. Many who pride themselves of their knowledge of the faith will not enter the kingdom. Because if we are not allowing the Spirit to bring us to deeper repentance, to trust in the Lord, it's not going to happen. Finally, I wanted to speak to you about the problem of ideologies. What does that mean? Well, we see it today in politics. We use beautiful words to hide a lie, like the Pharisees who were uh, uh, like tombs, very white in the outside, but rotten inside. And an example, a glaring example, is the French Revolution with the theme, liberty, equality, fraternity. Isn't that beautiful? But behind that motto, or like behind the curtain, was the guillotine. So fraternity and liberty and equality, but those who do not agree, they go to the guillotine. The French Revolution wanted to force the eradication of Christianity and in doing so committed a genocide a whole province called Vendée in western France hundreds of thousands of men women and children were massacred because they refused to give up their faith and to this day so many things all oh, the French Revolution but we're doing the same thing. Today, we have the genocide of abortion. One child every 34 seconds is murdered in this country. One every 34 seconds. In the name of women's rights, reproductive health, you see, beautiful women's rights, to kill a child. And what are we doing about it? We have lost the sense of horror to sin. So how can we convert? We are complacent. And so beware of beautiful words like unity, reconciliation, justice. Of course, those are beautiful words. But what are they covering? What is the truth that is happening? How is the world 
lying to us and attracting us to accept and to live in a culture of death. Brothers, it's not possible to repent and change our lives without willingness to give it all for God. We cannot say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll try. I'll try. If you say, I'll try, and that's it, you're not going to suffer through it. It's not just, I'll try. I have to be willing to enter the cross. There are demons that will not depart unless we're willing to unite prayer and fasting, said the Lord in Mark 9.29. If necessary, we need to take recourse to more severe penances, such as a cold shower, sleeping on the floor, on the floor. Uh, I had this recurring impure thoughts. I'm falling into pornography. Go and take a shower that night, cold shower. The flesh does not like to be punished. If we persist in prayer and penance each time we fall, if we turn to the Lord and gaze at Jesus crucified, and we say, Lord, I repent. Give me the grace to suffer through this so I do not yield to Satan. And then you have to think about human trafficking, the horror of human trafficking, and realize if I let Satan control my life, I'm part of it. Because it's all together. It's the same demon. And then I have to see it so seriously that I'm willing to fight. I want to finish with a word from Hebrews chapter 12. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If you struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation which addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by sin by him, for the Lord disciplines him whom he loves, chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. So let us finish with a prayer. Lord, you are our Father. You love us. You discipline us because you want us to go through the fire of the cross, the suffering, and persevere and not yield to temptation. And through that cross, through that suffering, 
We are repenting. We are deeply sorry for having offended you. We want, Lord, to be in your number, in your side, in this battle, because we are in battle. Lord, bless us that we be true missionaries of the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified Community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you. Thank you.